that's it. It's a wrap. The 2023 Formula 1 season has been completed and is in the books. And of course, it was the Flying Dutchman standing on the top step of the podium yet again in Yas Marina. Welcome to episode number 357 of Grid Talk. Today we're here to discuss the 2023 Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. My name is George Houston, and joining me today we have Grid Talk's manager Pan, Louis Edwards. Hello. And Phil Matthew from the Grip Strip Podcast. Hello. But before we get into the episode, we must thank our sponsors for this episode, Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wages, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available right from your phone. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get on the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, I've got through that. We need to address the elephant in the room. As a lot of you guys already know, I had a bet with one of my fellow Grid Talk co-hosts, Tom Horrocks, regarding Sergio Perez. Tom bet that Checo wouldn't win another race in 2023, and I bet that he would. Now, the forfeit for this, of course, was whoever lost would have to present an episode of Grid Talk in their underwear and a sombrero on their head. As those of who are viewing on YouTube already will know, I lost the bet. If you're normally an audio listener, I implore you, head over to the YouTube channel and feel free to laugh at my expense. I have no problem with that whatsoever. I have been exposed as someone who knows nothing about Formula 1, quite literally. Moral of the story is that if you're going to gamble, do it responsibly. Use bets online and don't do what I did. We'll start with... I'll start with the team who finished uh, last uh, in today's race. Uh, we're going to start with Haas. Uh, Kevin Magnussen, the uh, 20th and final runner. And let me just get the results up here. There we go. Um, Nico Hulkenberg, despite uh, getting into Q3 yesterday, finished down in 15. Fluey, again, it's the story of Haas's season. Too much tyre wear, really. And despite Hulk's decent qualifying performance, no real race pace for Haas, and they stay where they were in the Constructors' Championship. Yeah, it is pretty disappointing from Haas. Once again, Magnussen just chewed up his tyres in his first stint. He was the first one in the pits, and that was it, really. It was race over, and for Hulkenberg, it was just a slippery slope down the back, back down the grid. Haas have pretty much summed up their entire season just in one race. Generally disappointing. Hulkenberg usually doing the business in qualifying, not being able to do the business in the race. Magnussen being... Just there for the most part. It's a pity that we've seen Haas yet again have just a pretty average season. And I think there definitely will be start to have bigger question marks around the future of that team because I'm not really sure how much longer Gene Haas will want to fund a team that is doing, let's face it, really poorly. Tenth again in the constructors. They're not really making any progress. But with the way that the cost cap is at the bottom of the, the bottom of the pile, but they do have the most wind tunnel testing for next season, so might be a little bit of silver lining for a cloud which is certainly dark and grey over the house team. Yeah, it's been a very poor year for them overall, despite not that bad of a star. Really, did pick up some points towards at the start of the season, but it it just petered out and it just got worse and worse for them. They couldn't handle the tyres and. 
yeah, 10th place and last in the constructors. Um, not a good one for them. Um, we'll move on next to Alfa Romeo, another team that had a poor day today. Valtteri Bottas down in 19th, Guan Zhou in 17th. Again, Phil, the only times I really remember seeing Alfa Romeo today was when they were being passed. Bottas had a little battle with his old teammate, Sir Lewis Hamilton. But aside from that, just a poor race, no real race pace. And yeah, the only real surprising thing about them was the livery, which I'm still not fully used to. Yeah, the Las Vegas livery that made them look like they were uh, incognito or whatever. They probably were. They were incognito the last couple of races. It makes all sense. Similar to what you know, Louis said for Haas, uh, the now Sauber team. Again, they've changed their name so many times, but now they're back to Sauber officially since this race is over. Just a very, very nondescript end of the season. Sands, I think, maybe one Grand Prix here in the last bunch. Unfortunate end of the year. I think they started out okay and they thought they probably had a little more momentum but there's a lot of soul searching that's going to have to be done in Hinwill to see what they're looking for from the next two years are they going to keep this driver combination for two more years they're definitely keeping it for 2024 but are they going to build are they going to make a move for 2025 and maybe get a driver so that they can get ready for Audi coming in to the fold and taking over the the team but yeah today just uh part for the course for most of the season botas being behind joe will i will say that for him progress made this season in his second year he's staying with his teammate it looks like he has the pace to compete with him so there's that's positive and then you can go and use that moving into 2024 when they're going to have more time, wind tunnel time and other testing to maybe pick themselves up and move themselves up within that combination, that part of the grid. Yeah, today was very much indicative of Alfa Romeo season, really. Not even close to scoring points. Never looked like they were going to realistically. And yeah, ninth place in the Constructors Championship for them. The only crumb of comfort is that they're not last. That is Haas, as we just spoke about. But yes, we're going to make it three in a row for Ferrari-powered teams next by talking about Ferrari. The works constructed. Now, a very bittersweet day for them today. Obviously, their main disappointment will be that they did not get into second place in the Constructors Championship. But they finished just behind Mercedes, three points in the end of the gap, mainly because Carlos Sainz ended up finishing, didn't even finish technically, but ended up classified 18th. They did some typical Ferrari strategy by just hanging him out there, hoping that there'd be a safety car when it never looked like there was going to be one. The only guy who didn't finish the race today was Sainz himself, who pulled into the garage on the final lap. And yeah, but Charles Leclerc, though, Louis, looked at the start like he could have, could have took the lead early on, but not quite there in the end. Couldn't get past Max Verstappen, and once the first pit stop was done, he was miles behind. But some very interesting tactics to try and help Ferrari in the closing stages there. I think Charles Leclerc was possibly the only person in Ferrari colours today that actually cared about Ferrari getting P2 in the Constructors' Championship. I really don't understand what Ferrari were thinking at all with the strategy for Sainz. It was a very poorly executed, atrocious Ferrari plan. 
and it's just what we've become very aware of <laughs> with Ferrari. Starting on the hard tyres didn't sound like the worst idea. He was at the back, he needs to go long, but then they stuck him on another set of hard tyres. When he wasn't gaining any places, it was clear at that point in the race that the, the hard tyres were not working. Stick him on a set of mediums, see what he can do in that middle stint, try and run that middle stint as long as possible, and then, if needed, stick another set of hards on at the end. Obviously, the two-stop was the way to go today, but they could have done it so much better and not back themselves into a really awful corner where it just meant that they had to retire signs at the end of the race. Ah, it's just... It's just growing frustration at the fact that this Ferrari team, regardless of the leadership, regardless of the drivers, regardless of the talent that is at that team, just consistently just don't seem to care, don't seem to have that needed to take that team to the next level and actually challenge the Ferrari, challenge the Red Bulls, consistently beat out the Mercedes and the McLarens. It is their biggest downfall. You can tell that I think Charles Leclerc is slowly having enough of that team. His general attitude when he's driving, the messages that he's sending on the team radio, you could tell he was getting really frustrated at his team that they just weren't seeming to care about the Constructors' Championship and the fact they still had a battle to fight. And it took Charles' own initiative to let Perez pass to try and... I'm not sure if he tried to back up George. He didn't really actually do anything. He did. I was expecting him to like fully park it in that sort of last sector, but did nothing. It was odd. And then at the end of the race, when Charles did a few burnouts, he was then told off over the team radio and, again, was not happier with that. Ha! Huh. Ferrari. That is just the, the story of today. It was terrible from start to finish. I'm not sure what they're thinking. And next season... They have to do better because we know that Mercedes are going to do better. If McLaren continue their improvement, Ferrari will drown next season. Wrong stuff from Louis Edwards, as always. Um, yeah, I don't disagree with anything you've just said there. It is pretty farcical. If they just did a normal strategy for signs, he would have been in and around Hamilton. And if he finished ahead of Hamilton, Ferrari could have got that second pretty tight in the end. Just three points when both teams, I think, scored over 400 points each. That's how tight it was for second place. Fantastic battle for that. And then that's part of the video that we did on the socials where I went through the constructors' battles. And that was the closest one. And it's so it proved to be in the end. But yes, a very mixed day for Ferrari with that. Uh, but ultimately disappointing, of course, they didn't get second in the constructors. Now we move on to Williams next, Phil, who I think will be counting their lucky stars today. It looked at certain times as though they were going to lose that 7th place in the Constructors' Championship to AlphaTauri. Yuki Tsunoda doing excellent today. I think he might have won our driver of the day for Grid Talk today, and we got a few votes. He got my vote as well. Not enough from him in the end. Williams not really doing their part either, but they do hold on to 7th, of course. Sargent in 16th and Alex Albon in 14th. We thought maybe because the car has a lot of straight-line speed that they might have done well around this circuit, but it just did not seem to suit the track this weekend. Yeah, that just wasn't there for Albon. You you can key, key on what Williams' weekend will be based on how Albon is doing. He didn't have the outright pace in qualifying. He wasn't up there in Q3 like he has been at a lot of Grand Prix. 
And in long run pace, they just weren't there. Logan struggled, which has been the story of the year for him. I think for his sake, he probably wanted more here out of these last two Grand Prix to to try and save his seat. Um, for Albon, he's done his job this year. Today, it wasn't pretty for them, but uh, they benefited from the fact that Alpha Tori was only fighting with one one car in uh, Sonoda today. They probably were going to lose that that spot in constructors, but maybe in their mind they probably would have they would have they lose that what nine million or ten million or however much it would have been in real money. But I think in it, the race itself wasn't great, but for what the season has been for Williams and where they have been in recent years to finish seventh in the constructors championship, essentially doing it with one car is pretty strong in James Vowell's first year as the team principal, the way that he's basically had to completely upend the whole organization. Credit to them. It wasn't their best day today, but I think it speaks to positivity and long-term, the long-term future of this, of this legendary team that maybe that better days are going to be ahead for them. Yeah, absolutely. Williams on the up, without a doubt. A team, arguably, on the downturn at the moment. Al poor day for them today, no points. Esteban Ocon, 12. Pierre Gasly, 13. Louis, it looked as though they could have potentially got into the lower end of the points. It wasn't to happen in the end. And we were saying, I think on one of the previous shows, we were saying how well the Ocon and Gasly were actually getting on, despite their despite their history. However, today, I don't think they got on too well at all. Gasly was furious that Ocon was pitted ahead of him. And that just speaks volumes to another team in crisis. You spoke about Ferrari. Like, now it's the turn of Alpine. Yeah. I, I'm, Alpine are a bit of a weird one. They've been such a buying average team. So, yeah, they've been nothing special. And occasionally we keep getting these sort of, like, big sort of like reveals of how maybe we haven't seen it hasn't been all as harmonious as we have been led to believe and today was another example of that japan has another one that one immediately springs to mind where the relationship may not be the best but certainly today gasly was not happy he was very clear on the radio that he was unsure why he had been pitted after Ocon and then after the pit stop she could clearly see why Ocon came out with a four second advantage over Gasly despite being a few seconds behind before the pit stops it did seem like a weird decision that they didn't explain obviously they'll probably explain in the debrief and they'll be having those chats now but at the time it did seem like a very peculiar thing and then later in the race when Gasly was still trying to catch Ocon it did look like Ocon was going to come into the pits first again, but he stayed out, I think, on his own accord. And then Gasly came in the next lap. But yeah, it just wasn't to be at the end for Alpine. They were there, thereabouts in the sort of lower ends of points, but just overall, they just didn't have the pace of the teams that were, they were fighting. Sonoda was doing a solid job on his strategy. Ricardo was coming back through the field. Stroll also was making a few overtakes in those sort of lower, like 
11th, 12th place finished. So it's, yeah, it's a disappointing end to a, a rather disappointing season for Alpine. They've really had a turbulent time of it this year. Of course, Otmar going in Belgium and the, the team crumbling. And yeah, and their golden boy, who was meant to be their golden boy, is doing very well for a team that drives a certain orange car. Yeah, Alpine will be kicking themselves for a lot of things. And losing Oscar Piastri is definitely up there, if not very top of that. Yeah, disappointing season for Alpine to say the least. I think they were targeting at least four for the start of this year. They've ended up sixth and not even close to fifth place, so really. But next up, we're talking about Alpha Tauri. Very much a resurgence for them in the last stages of this season. Obviously missed out to Williams, but I mean, a couple of points in the Constructors' Championship for seven, but... A very good day for Yuki Tsunoda today. I think he qualified in sixth, which was his highest ever in F1. It looked at times as though he could have held that sort of position. Had some good battles with the McLarens and Alonso and Hamilton. Ended up finishing eighth. A fine day for him. Ricardo just missing out on points in 11th. Phil, whatever AlphaTauri are going to be called next year, I think they're ending this season on a high. It's fair to say. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, in terms of whatever their name is going to be, Red Bull 2.0 or whatever, because that's basically what they are. Yuki Sonoda has shown here this year that it's taken him a while, but I think he's finally figured out what he needs to do as a driver. And they finally, I think at times, bought a car that is relatively competitive. Toast walks out the door here and it looks like the team is probably in a good place to at least compete albeit not up front, but to go and compete with that midfield battle. And I don't think that they're going to be in the mix with the bottom three teams. I think they're going to be more towards battling with Alpine next year if they if it goes the way I think it's going to go. Credit to Yuki Sonoda for the prog- progress that he's made this year. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo, I think with a full off-season and commitment and knowing that he's going to be in the seat for the whole year, we'll get to see, maybe we'll see the old Danny Rick come back out, the last of the late breakers and the whole thing there. We'll figure out what their identity will be. It'll probably be something corny. But either way, for Alpha Tori, the way the season started and to where they are now, I think they go into the winter with a lot of positive energy looking forward to 2024 with a lot of the things that are going to be coming their way, especially on the car side where they're basically probably going to copy the Red Bull. So allegedly, (laughs) allegedly, (laughs) potentially, who knows? Yeah. Like I said, Sonoda, a guy that came under some serious pressure last year, even in his first year at times and earlier on in this year as well, it's been a, it's been a five-star resurgence. Some would say, and if you enjoyed this podcast, you can head over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. And if you're one of the 72% of people who are not subscribed to the YouTube channel yet, frankly, you're missing out with this one, as I covered before. Please consider heading over there. Head, give us a little subscribe on the video. Hit the bell icon to be to find out when the episodes go out live. Even though this is the last race of the season, we will be continuing with content through the off-season, both with Formula Talk, Grid Talk, and potentially some Firesides interviews as well. So even though the season's over, we keep going. Simple as that. 
Uh, and next up, let's talk about Aston Martin, Louis. Now, obviously, they somehow found some pace in the car over the last few races. That pace has dissipated, though. It did not come around in this one. Alonso, good performance to get seventh place. Some classic DRS tactics with Lewis Hamilton, which Hamilton, unsurprisingly, was not very happy about. But it worked for him. He ended up getting seventh. Lance Stroll, after Carlos Sainz had a pit stop as well towards the end, got the last point in 10th. It's all he really could have hoped for. Of course, this is a disappointing end to the season for Aston Martin getting 5th. But overall, if you look at how they were 12 months ago, it is an improvement, especially if you consider the first part of the season. It's progress for them overall, but they've got some serious work on to be ready for next year. Mm, that serious work is that second driver who keeps limping around and not scoring as many points as the driver who is 40 years old. I feel like we need to keep mentioning this every single week. Like, oh, we look at it as well. He's, he's older than it's, he's, so, it's, <laughs> he's, he's almost double my age, put it that way. At some point, the, the penny must drop. And we need to see... That the thing that is holding this team back is the fact that they have two drivers who are massively in different skill categories. And we've seen that even this season when the Mercedes has been terrible, they've had two great drivers who can make the most of it, get all the points that they need. And let's face it, at the start of the season, Aston Martin had a very good car and they could have scored so many points. So many points if they just had both drivers in the podium positions. But hell, no, no, they don't. And unfortunately, it's been a thing that has just been reoccurring all season. Fernando was doing a pretty decent job. I think he was definitely making the most of that car was being eaten alive in the straights at times. I don't think it was as bad as he said. He was like... GP2 engine version 2.0 radio message, but it really wasn't that bad. And the brake testing thing with Hamilton, I'll be honest, I'm not sure what happened. I saw Fernando's on boards of the incident, and I was like, what's he done there? I didn't quite understand it. I haven't actually seen Lewis's on board, so I don't know how dangerous it was. I know a certain Aaron Harper was not happy with it at all in the in our slack chat but yeah it was i think aston martin will be grateful for the fact they seem to definitely have the capabilities to design a good car it's just their development this season which has let them down and the fact that they've allowed ferrari mercedes and mclaren to overtake them be a bit more consistent so if aston martin can take away what they've done this year apply it to next season go okay we have the good fundamentals to build a very competitive car we have the resources we have this brand new factory we have everything that we need to make this car quick it's just now about investing in good developments to the car developments that are going to keep it consistent keep it competitive and then we'll start seeing good consistent results from Aston Martin and challenge the likes of the Ferraris, the Mercedes, the McLarens, which they clearly have the capability to be competing against. But right now, there are just several key factors that are just holding them behind. 
and one of them is the number 18 driver. You're right. But we all know it's not going to change. It's not, if it was going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, if it was going to change, it probably would have changed by now already. But it hasn't. And yeah. But the main thing for them is, like you said, is that they're not developing the car in the right way. For some reason, after the summer break, the car just it was slowing down a little bit before then, but it just fell off a cliff after the, the summer break. Um, they rediscovered some of that form. They're still pacing the car as they proved in Las Vegas and Brazil. But unfortunately, it wasn't enough for them to get fourth in the constructors. That goes to McLaren. To be able to talk about McLaren relatively soon. Next up is Mercedes. George Russell crossed the line in fourth, but because of Perez's penalty, ends up in third and on the podium. A good result to end what's not been the best year for him this year, in my opinion. And Sir Lewis Hamilton, despite some excellent form, despite some incredible results this season, just seemed to be nowhere. However, at the same time, the damage on his car will not have helped with that. Obviously, he damaged his front wing on the back of Pierre Gasly's car after Gasly had a lockup, bit of a racing incident. I'm sure Hamilton would not agree with that, but just one of those things. How do you rate um, Mercedes' performance today, Phil? Obviously, they did enough to keep Ferrari behind in the constructors' battle, but very mixed fortunes for their two drivers today. Yeah, in the last couple of races for Lewis haven't been. Las Vegas was left want. He was left wanting. I think he had a lot more there, but the race went away from him. George's season compared to last year's like night and day. Yes, he won a race last year, but this year he really wasn't at the same uh, level for a good amount of the year as Lewis was. But in the last couple of Grand Prix, he came back to that kind of form the last two or three races of the season. So maybe that's a sign of things to come, that there'll be more balance coming into a new year when Mercedes hopefully brings a proper car to the fight. A lot of things they have to uh, fix in terms of pit stops and oh, some in terms of strategy, but they kept second in constructors somehow, some way, um, benefited from Carlos's um, uh, smooth operator not having a smooth weekend. And I think for Lewis, I think there was a point early, a few weeks ago where second in the driver's championship was still in play, but somehow or another, the reason why you're wearing a sombrero there, George, he came alive just enough to go and uh, maintain. In terms of the season, though, they came into 2023 with the same my same concept when it was basically proven outside of one race last year that it didn't work, and it took them, I don't know how many races into 2023 to decide that, oh, this was the wrong concept when the drivers had both told them, I guess George wasn't as mad about it, but Lewis had said all these issues existed. And then both of them have basically said the same issues exist with the car. So I don't know what Mercedes decision makers are, but what they're trying to do, but they have, they need to build a good car. They need to come correct for 2024. I agree with I agree with Aaron in terms of the brake testing with Fernando Alonso. It is pretty obvious, but then I guess it's the way that they, they rule on things as long as it happens to Lewis, they'll just ignore it. And as long as it's certain drivers, they'll just let them do it. So that's just the way the FIA has gone this year. At least it's the end of the year and we reset, we move forward. And then some of that toxicity that exists within the Formula One van base, we can get a, get away from that at least for a few months 
and reconvene in February for testing at Bahrain. Yeah, not the best day for Sir Lewis today, but a great season for him overall. Third place in the Drivers' Championship. The highest non-Red Bull driver in the Drivers' Championship this season. So good for him overall. Good for Mercedes overall as well, getting up to second in the Constructors, just holding Ferrari at bay. But yeah, that was a scary moment for Hamilton. I know you both spoke about it, but put it this way, if someone did that on the motorway to me, I would be sending them some very clear signs. Lots of number ones and number twos. I'll let you figure out what I'd be doing there. But yes, I need a professional racing drivers. But it's also Alonso. It's what he does. Not that he makes it right, but he's got previous with it. He does that kind of thing all the time. I'm not sure if he actually braked, though, but he lifted off the throttle at the very least, and that is like braking and how much he'll slow down. But yeah, uh, let us know in the comments. This is obviously going out live on YouTube. Uh, let us know in the live stream. What do you think? Do you think that uh, Alonso should have got a penalty for that that, that brake testing, that lifting up the throttle with Hamilton? Let us know your tale. Let's see. What, let's hear what you got to say on that one. But yeah, next up, McLaren. Louis. Obviously, they were battling with Aston Martin for fourth in the constructors today. They managed to do that. They didn't really look in any danger of being threatened for that. Really, fifth for Norris, sixth for Piastri. Piastri struggling with his tires at times. Norris obviously in the wars with Perez. Now, I want to get your opinion on that as well as a, as a fellow McLaren fan. Obviously, Perez getting a five-second penalty. Was that fair? Was was, was Pe Perez right to be penalised? Because Martin Brundle said in commentary that Perez was ahead at the apex. However, you could definitely argue that he was more than lunging at that point. Yeah, I think the reason why he was ahead is because he braked, I think, 20 metres too late and was going way too fast into the corner. Uh, I, I'll do my best to, to put my biases aside, but I think it was a very lazy move from Checo. I don't think he was a very well thought out. He was, it, it did feel desperate. It didn't seem like he needed to really make the move there. We've seen plenty of drivers use that sort of chicane as a nice little setup for the second DRS zone to then make a move at the the sort of Parabolica-esque hairpin that we now have at Abu Dhabi. So it did seem very odd place for Checo just to have a bit of a lunge. And yeah, you could argue that it was it was it was a bit of a sloppy error. There wasn't really need to give a penalty. But the fact is Norris did give him plenty of space. Norris, I think, was very happy to let Checo go at that point. I don't think he was really thinking, I've got to defend this super hard. Or if he was thinking about getting him back, he would have just tried to get a nice exit and try and re-overtake on the next straight. But no, Checo just lunged in very lazily understeer just sent him straight into the side of Norris Norris had no choice but then had to go off the track because again Checo was just still carrying that speed from his corner <laughs> then Checo did have the cheek to say he turned in on him I think he had about two meters to the apex that you missed before he turned in on you there Checo so that was a bit of a ridiculous claim and then the next lap he did make the apex and made the overtake so I think that was probably plenty for the stewards to look at and go, hey, yeah, obviously he's made some serious error here because he does have the capability of getting the car stopped in time and actually making a clean overtake. But yeah, overall for McLaren today, it, I they weren't the most competitive. They did look quite good early on in the race, but I think just in terms of general tyre strategy, they did chew into the tyres a bit. And I think that's 
the only sort of real nagging issue with McLaren at the moment. They do seem to be a little bit tough on their tyres at some races, which has definitely prevented them from getting more podium, more better point finishes this season. Yeah, but reflecting back on where they were in Bahrain, fifth and sixth is great. I'd take it every day of the week. Norris being on the podium, what, four times this season? Oscar being on the podium a couple of times and getting a sprint win. It has been a fantastic season for to be a McLaren fan. And my only hope is that they can start next season with a competitive car because then it might <laughs> make the championship battle a little bit more interesting. Yeah, genuinely, that, and that's been the problem with that's been the problem with McLaren in the last two years. They've started extremely poorly, and like you said, they were pretty much the slowest car on the grid in Bahrain at the start of this year. Now look at them. You, uh, uh, certainly at some races towards back end of this year, including Silverstone as well in the midpoint of the season, they were the second fastest car without doubt. Yeah, there's some serious pace in that car. They just need to see it through to 2024. I would be hoping for that as a, as a diehard McLaren fan. But yeah, decent day for them today. And they got the job done. That's all you can ask for at the end of the day. But yeah. Next up, Phil, we've got Red Bull. Max Stappen winning at an absolute canter. Like I said, when we were talking about Ferrari, after the first pit stop, it was really done. 18 second win for him nearly. Sergio Perez, a decent recovery probably you could say from not a great qualifying he should never be down there anyway of course but yeah to recover to second on track fourth after the penalty not bad but again the reason why i'm wearing this sombrero is just he's too inconsistent that incident with norris for me like louis was saying really poor driving and fully deserved his penalty yeah, and it's an unfortunate turn really after uh, Baku in the spring of this year when there, when Checo was actually in the mix. From that moment on, basically, the championship turned and then all their stuff went on within that organization with the people that seemed to be leadership. You look at Verstappen, 19 wins on the season. Uh, he came into the year with 35 wins and now he's passed he's passed all Alan Prost and and for what do you call Alan Prost and whatchamacallum Sebastian Vettel he's Senna Prost and Vettel all in this year with this dominance because that's how great it is we need to watch and it was so amazing but yeah, it was there was really no doubt this whole year who was going to win. They won all but one race. They won the constructors' championship by four hundred fifty points or thereabouts. So good on them, and we'll see what happens with that next year. If it'll continue for the next couple of years, and in terms of Checo itself, he's lucky he's keeping his ride but he's basically right on deck to start 2024 if outside of Williams with Logan, if they keep him, those are going to be the two guys that are going to be looking over their shoulder the most in terms of their rides. And he needs to do better because the reality was Lewis was, there was times during the season where Lewis was probably going to get him. And, and it's not like Mercedes was giving him the best car. Um, it shouldn't have been that dramatic for Sergio Perez to finish second in the World Champion Drivers Championship, but he was able to get it done, benefit from some mistakes by Mercedes, and we'll see what happens with them next year. 
our fandoms specifically for our teams that we like and drivers, hoping those teams show up and bring a better product to the table. And then the likes of Ferrari and Aston Martin as well, who at times showed pace or were able to be up front, being more competitive off the jump so that it'll actually be watchable next year. It would be a benefit because they're worried about ratings. Well, 18, 20, 25 second victories, you're not going to really have great ratings on that when everybody knows what's going to happen when you get in a Friday at a Grand Prix. We'll see what happens with that, but you have to give them, you got to give credit to them for what they bring to the table. They did what they had to do. They did. They certainly did. And and this year has been ridiculous. Like you say, all but one way race they've won. They've beaten McLaren's record in terms of percentages from back in 1988. Max Verstappen getting 19 of those 21 victories, which is crazy when you think about it, because you've got the likes of Nicky Lauda getting 25 wins in his entire career. Sir Jackie Stewart getting 27 wins in his t- entire career. I think the great Juan Manuel Fangio only got around 20-odd wins in his career as well. And he's a five-time champion. Obviously, things have moved on a lot. And obviously, people will say, oh, it's all in the car. Of course, the car's important. It's the most important part of it, you could argue for sure. But at the end of the day, Max Verstappen's destroyed the competition. Nobody we've ever seen before. And Adam Burns summed it up very well as well on the preview show that said that Max Verstappen has set both the longest F1 winning streak for a driver ever and the third longest winning streak for an F1 driver ever in the same season. That's ridiculous. And that winning streak's not over as well. He can match or beat his previous uh, winning streak as well. So yeah, uh, potentially interesting times ahead for Checo Perez as well. He's been summoned to the stewards apparently over something that he said over the radio. What is, we don't know. Possibly a referendum coming his way or something like that. Thank you for the... Oh, and it, Go off, what uh, he said? He basically... Like, he so it's over the radio on his in-lap he said a few things about the stewards mainly calling them a joke and saying that they have been awful all weekend yeah he's definitely getting a penalty it's a bit like when you insult the not that i've done this but it's a bit like if you were to insult your teacher in school it's not gonna end well it's not gonna end well no so he's definitely getting a reprimand definitely getting a, a fine most likely and very strange investigations going on this week. I've just remembered as well that uh, a bunch of teams, I think Mercedes, Alpine, Alfa Romeo possibly as well, all getting summoned to the stewards over not having the proper eye protection during their pit stops, which is probably a fine coming their way. But I've never heard that one before. I'm not a fan of the stewards in general, just like uh, just like my fellow sombrero-wearing Mexican <laughs> Yeah, I've not got great opinions on them either, but I can get away with saying things about them. Perez cannot. That's the difference. But yeah, so I've already mentioned that my driver of the day is Yuki Tsunoda. I think he's had a fantastic weekend overall. Sends him and Alfa Tari into 2024 on a high. Phil, who's your pick for driver of the day today? I'll concur with that. It goes with the way that Yuki Tsunoda has made progress this whole year to go and give Alfa Tari a shot to go and pass Williams, and he drove his, to the best of his ability with the strategy he was given. He fought very well. In the past, he probably would have overdrove the car. He might have, you know, wrecked the car. He would have done something. In this case, he kept his wits about him. He was able to drive within the limits, and he did what he had to do. So I'll, I'll go with the 
the grid talk driver of the day. I'll agree as well with Yuki Sonoda. Fair enough. Are we making a hat trick for Yuki Sonoda, Louis? I agree with everything that Phil has just said, but I'm going to say Max Verstappen is going to be my grid talk driver of the day. Just because he has raced today like he has raced all season with no point in looking in his mirrors because everyone is a tiny little speck behind him. He has been phenomenal this season, regardless of who you think is great, who you think you, who you support. Max Verstappen has been incredible this season. And while you may argue it's in the car, he's had a teammate who has done C-terrible and is the, the reason why George is, <laughs> is looking the way he is. It's sometimes you do need a little bit more than a car to make a season absolutely great and set record after record. So that's why my choice is Max Verstappen. Absolutely obliterated everyone today. He did. And my dignity went with it as well. <laughs> Although Perez obviously wouldn't have won anyway, even if Max Verstappen wasn't there, because Charles Leclerc would have won. There is that. But yeah, no, he's been sensational all season. And like, like you say what you want about the guy, he's, he's just been the top dog. This season, not even close. Probably could have won the Constructors by himself, and that's been a stat going around quite a bit this season, so I imagine that's still probably the case. But yes, with our drivers of the day, want to give my panellists a chance to plug their outlets as well. At the start of the show, Phil, I mentioned that you are a member of the Grip Strip podcast. What is that, and where can people find it? Yeah, we can. The Grip Strip podcast is a show I host with Josh Fine. We are at near 200 episodes. Talk about all things motorsports. So we talk about domestic motorsports. So the likes of NASCAR, IndyCar, and other American series. But we also talk about Formula One, the World Endurance Championship, Formula Formula E, Extreme E. And they'll basically, I always like to say, if it goes fast, we talk about it on the Grip Strip podcast. Definitely give us a you know, listen and subscribe. We're at, at Grip Strip Pod on X. We're on, you can find it at philipgmatthew.com, which is my blog site. The show posts over there. It seems like it's hard for the show to get distributed anywhere else. I have to work on that during the soft season. You can find me at pgmatthew28 and Josh at JP Huffine. And of course, as always, great to do the show with you guys, George and Louie and Aiden, for all the great work you've done all year. Even with the fact that you're sitting there with no shirt on and a sombrero, it's hard for me to look at you. I, you're a friend of mine, but this is really press, really stre- stressing me out. I pray that none of us make a bad prediction next year because this is getting out of hand. Thank you, Phil. Thank you for the kind words as well. Like, we, I can't, I'll be honest, I'm probably not going to be the person to make one of these bets. That's going to be down to one of the other hosts. It was Ruby last year, it was me and Tom this year. Tom Horwich, I should say, this year. Might be someone else next year, but it's all part of the fun until it actually comes time to uh, to deliver on that promise. <laughs> Louis, do you want to have a word with, put a word of sorry in about our social channels on Grid Talk? I'm just going to state this now that I will never be making such a stupid bet on this podcast. <laughs> And having to expose something of myself that I don't want to. Not to mention it'd probably get me sacked from my job. Anyway. <laughs> if you wanna if you wanna hear more from me personally, you can follow me on X Twitter 
at edwards underscore l underscore g otherwise if you want to follow the podcast basically on any socials be it x instagram facebook it's at grid talk uk i think it's also the at handle for our youtube channel as well so if you are watching this on youtube you'll see that it's exactly the same handle as it is on every other social media platform so how about drop us a follow thank you for that Louis. yeah consistency there with the with the handles on there yeah over two thousand subscribers on youtube and i believe we passed a thousand at the start of this year which was fantastic to see so i want to see that Hopefully, hopefully this doesn't hurt those subscription numbers too much. It might help. It might end. Who knows? What kind of a, t- a crowd we might attract with this video. But yes, as Louis mentioned, we are available on YouTube where most episodes are recorded live. Unfortunately, this is one of those, as well as Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, Pocket Cast. Just search for Grid Talk for our big back catalog of shows. Over 300 episodes now. Sometime next year, we'll probably pass 500. We'll definitely pass 400 next year. Come along, come along with us for the ride. See where it takes us. And also, please consider supporting the channel on Patreon so we can get better mics, lights, and recording equipment. And also, be sure to subscribe to the channel on YouTube to find out when the next episode goes live. Next, our next podcast will be the season review for 2023. That'll be recorded next weekend. It'll come out sometime during week commencing 4th of December, usually a Wednesday. In the meantime, Sophia will be back soon as well to conclude Formula Talks F2 season as well, as that was that championship finished today earlier on as well. And a new champion was crowned. I won't spoil who that was, obviously. But yes, uh, that'll be coming soon as well. And uh, yeah, I just want to thank you, thank our panelists, for coming on the show. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you to our audience as well. It's been a lot of firsts this year for Grid Talk. It's been a fantastic season for us in that sense. We'll have some more Grid Talk live to coming to you as well at some point during the new year, I'm sure. And yeah, thank you. Thank you for all your support. Whether you've liked, whether you followed, whether you subscribed, whether you downloaded, whatever you've done to support the show, even if it's only been just one, it means something to us and does make a difference at the end of the day. And yeah, thank you very much for listening and for viewing Grid Talk today. Uh, presented by Bet Online. And goodbye.